this is a little bit cheesy, but it is believing in yourself that you can do it, but then getting that spark and whatever it is that motivates you. Like if it has to come from the negative space where you're like, you know what? I'm sick and tired of my bank account being empty at the end of every month and needing this paycheck to come in so that I can afford my groceries or go on a little bit of a vacation. That's fine if that's where the motivation or inspiration comes from. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Whisker Talks, the Whisker Cloud Veterinary Marketing Podcast. I'm Adam Greenbaum, CEO and founder of Whisker Cloud. Today, I have two people on at once. I'm going to get used to juggling having two people on at once. This is going to be interesting. So let's go in order. Who wants to go first? And we're going to get into a groove with this. Who wants to introduce themselves? Who wants to talk about who you are? Who wants to tell their origin stories? You guys have listened to the podcast. I ask for everyone's Marvel origin story. I always talk about Bruce Banner dropping the atomic bomb, becoming the Hulk. So how do we want to do this? Take it away, Jonathan. Jonathan's first. So good. Oh man, I wish I actually read Marvel comics. I was an Archie fan when I was younger, so there that puts my origin story in perspective. Uh, so for everyone, my name is Jonathan Light. I am a small animal veterinarian based out of Calgary, Alberta, Canada, and I am one of the co-founders of the Veterinary Project with our partner on this podcast, Dr. Michael Bug. My origin story is born and raised in Calgary for the first 14 years of life and then spent the next half of my life traveling, living in Saskatchewan, Canada as well too. And yeah, I'm one of those ones that is the classic. I wanted to be a veterinarian since I was probably around 11 years old, loved the animals, liked science. And something a little bit different is in between my undergrad and getting into vet school, started to learn the business side and sales and really enjoy that perspective and have carried that through right from day one in vet school. And it's really worked out well because I found a niche and anybody that knows me from vet school knows that that was an area I was going to be going down. And it's been a lot of fun. I currently find myself as COO with a mixed animal group of practices called Mosaic Veterinary Partners. And we are established here in Alberta and Saskatchewan, Canada, a group of six practices at present. And then on the other side, I am also opening up a small animal practice in Calgary, which we are right in the middle of construction on. I have my lovely wife helping out with that project, as well as our five and four-year-old. So we have a full gamut of activities. I'm also involved in technology in the veterinary space and sit on council with our provincial regulator. So looking at the progressive legislation of veterinary medicine in Canada. That's it. That's me in a nutshell. Michael, you're up. Okay, right <laughs> on. So my origin story, I'm born and raised in Western Saskatchewan, Canada, kind of in the middle, slightly off to the West, if you don't know Canadian geography. I grew up on a beef cattle farm. So my veterinary origin story probably develops out of a love of animals like many, I'm sure. For me, it was cows and cats and dogs. We had a few dogs, but cows and cats were my favorite. So I went to veterinary school here in Saskatoon, WCVM 2008 graduate, did some mixed animal practice, then transitioned over to small animal practice. And then I kind of had my second origin story develop 
when I really found a love of like personal development and investing, and you know, I've I've taken some pivots in my career, um, all about trying to figure out, you know, how can I really take charge of my life and live life to the fullest. I wasn't the classic, you know, wanting to be a vet since I was a little boy forever. I kicked around other options. I remember being an accountant was high on the list. Ultimately, it's the variety of what a veterinarian gets to do that made me choose veterinary medicine. But yeah, lately I've pivoted into real estate investing. That's my full-time gig. As Jonathan mentioned, uh, co-host on the Veterinary Project podcast. And I live in Saskatoon with my wife, Rosalie, and our 19-month-old daughter, Riley. So she certainly keeps us on our toes. Having you two on is so cool because you guys have like that podcast cadence when you talk that I'm still working on 20 episodes into this. And I just think that you guys, you have like a lot of podcasts, people do it well. They'll be like, and I'm living with our daughter, 19 month old daughter, pause. And like you paused it <laughs> at the perfect length. And I was like, I got chills. I'm like, man, that was, that was nice. Well, you, you just need to do a bunch of takes behind the scenes that you throw out. That's me and Jonathan's secret when we were getting started, like 20 takes to get the first episode launched. And then you have to quit caring and know that you're going to swear, screw it up, and just keep on going, and eventually it gets better. And we're <laughs> we're still learning. Yeah, we recently had an episode. It went live recently, me and Andrea Crabtree, and... I'm a potty mouth when I'm not at work. When I'm at work, I'm a potty mouth. That's okay. I'm from Las Vegas, Nevada. And, you know, I'm just a potty mouth. That's how I am. But, and I've done a great job of not dropping F bombs on the podcast and being really calm. And then I listened to it and we had multiple. And I was like, oh, shit, here we go. You know, the editor's like, you want me to remove them or bleep them out? I'm like, oh, screw it. Let's go. So I appreciate having you guys on. You guys run the Veterinary Project podcast, a show made by vets featuring absolutely no pets. And you guys just do a great job. And here we are. We have you guys who are vets and work in the space and wanted to start a podcast. You have me who develops software and technology for vets who wants to have the podcast. So for people out there who are listening to podcasts, like Whisker Cloud doesn't make money on our podcast. I don't know if you guys are making money. I don't even know if I should be asking that on air. But you know, it's like for the people out there just listening to me, I invest... $1,200 and the equipment to record this and sound the way I do. And some of you might be like, okay, you sound like whatever. And yeah, anyway, it costs 1200 bucks to sound like this. And it costs about 400 bucks per episode to get edited. Why are we doing this? Why are we spending our time getting in front of the camera and in front of the microphones and just having conversations for an hour and hoping people want to listen to us shoot the shit? What are we doing here? Trying to make a difference. I think, and having fun doing it in a different medium that people are actually really engaged in. I thought about doing this in 2014 and didn't get off my ass and actually do it. So when Mike put forward that he was thinking about it and I had already thought about it, then went the adventure of the next six months of actually making it happen. It's a lot of work, isn't it? Oh my God. And it's we sure so as hell aren't making money on it right now. That's for damn sure. <laughs> so it is a labor of love and a labor that takes a lot more effort than you think. And you have to create teams and everything about around it. But when you're talking about the industry we're in, the thing that we have a passion for and want to help improve, when you have a niche podcast, you're going to hit an audience that you hope you make a difference with. And if you help them and from our standpoint with the veterinary project 
helping veterinarians lead intentional lives. We hope we're helping create that for them and or at least providing a platform for places for people to be real, able to reach out for. And that's a fulfilling piece. And yeah, it's worthwhile. I'd jump in on that, Jonathan. I mean, the contribution piece, having an impact, completely agree. What's come out of this, which I didn't expect it to be to this level, the amazing conversations. Mm -hmm. For me personally, I started or dove into the podcast as an idea of giving back. And it's turned out I actually get way more in return than I give because we we meet all these people that we would have never met otherwise, hear all their cool stories and what they're up to. So it's been very rewarding. And yes, not financially lucrative. <laughs> well, and, and you know, I'll say this. We track a lot of stuff here at Whisker Cloud. We track everything. And you'd be shocked at how many people have come and become Whisker Cloud customers because they listen to the podcast, they came to our site, and we track it. They click from Spotify to our website to book a demo to sign up. And I've always thought that was interesting. And I'm, I think about the brands I'm loyal to. And whether it's like a national brand like an Apple or a Nike or whether it's local brands that I like or whether it's local restaurants, I think to myself, I love this restaurant on the street. Do I give a shit about the owner of that restaurant. You know, if I was to hear that person talk, would that make me more loyal to that restaurant? But I think veterinary medicine is different. I talk about it often on the show. There's so many Facebook groups, so many LinkedIn groups, and everyone, you know, I constantly comment on how toxic those groups are. But on the flip side, you also walk away from those groups and you're like, man, there's just people out here that are just begging for information and wanting to learn. And you guys are both incredibly successful in this space. So I imagine that people want to get on and hear Nicole talk about inventory management, which was your most recent episode. I think it was yesterday or the day before, right? Yeah. And by the way, did I not tell you I get in trouble at Whisker Cloud for bringing up dates because we don't know when these episodes are going to go live? And it took me nine minutes to screw that up. <laughs> yeah. So there's that. <laughs> so that's a perfect example with Nicole. I found her on Instagram. So I started stalking her out because the content that she was providing from an inventory standpoint, I was interested in it. And I was like, all right, I'm going to watch her for a while. And then you go onto her website and you're going, this lady has it together. Wait a second, I'm going to get one of my managers. And then my manager gets into one of her programs. I'm like, wait, Mike, we need to get her onto the program. And all of a sudden, you have a really fun conversation with somebody in a niche area of veterinary medicine that is going to provide so much I think, value for others that listen to it. And if they get onto our site, just as like you've said, in a clicking forward fashion in a funnel, everybody wins. Yeah. And I think you nailed it, Jonathan, with watching for a while. You know, I think that's how society works these days. Adam's alluded to it. People want to sort of dip their toe in and see what you're about before they're going to necessarily fully commit. And I think a podcast delivers that because people can throw it on when they go for a run or do whatever they're doing. And listen and then decide, is this someone I want to engage with, um, whether that's the guests we bring on or ourselves individually? So I have a question for you, Bo. So my wife, my in-laws, my friends and family, they listen to this podcast. None of them are involved with veterinary medicine. I always wonder, how do I come off? How am I being perceived by people in vet med, by people not vet med, people that know me, people that don't personally know me? How am I being perceived? And I ask that question a lot. And I get the same question, like, I come off knowledgeable, I come off blunt, I come off like I care. When you guys are doing this podcast, do you have, 
Or are you hoping that someone walks away and is like, wow, Michael is so blank. Jonathan is so great at talking about this. Or is it just sort of your place to just go be yourself and people can take from it what they will? I know for me, I'm maybe off the start. And I've posted content online more in the real estate space for a number of years now. And initially starting out, I was very concerned about what is my image out in the public? What do people think about me? What do they think about what I'm saying? Over the years, that has changed as I'm learning to just be more authentically myself. You know, to be honest, on our podcast, I kind of practice post and ghost because we're just doing so much content. I don't have time to go re-listen to it anymore and analyze myself. So I'm just trying to be really authentic, come at it with a place of trying to help people and if it pushes some people away, I mean, so be it. I may not be for everyone. Adam, you're on Instagram? Of course I'm on Instagram. So like all of us who are watching these posts, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, all of them, we can quickly, I think our bullshit meter is very, very well attuned in 2021. And so if we're not providing authentic material and or value for our listeners, they just click unsubscribe or they click next because there's so much optionality out there right now. And so from the standpoint of the podcast, really, if they don't match up or if they don't aspire to listen to what we think is value, that's totally all right. So just as Mike's described, the time factor in caring is going to be less because there is only going to be a certain segment that is going to attach to our message. And that's all right. We on purpose said, for vets or for the veterinary industry, no pets. We specifically didn't want to do CE and specific medical CE with the veterinary project. And for many people, that's been a nice change, you know, similar to what you're doing with your podcast. The thing for me is, and this has been me my entire career, this is me going back to college. I've just, I've always had this blunt personality. And here's the thing, like if you come to work with Whisker Cloud, you're going to know that we have insane attention to detail, but you're also going to know that the owner of the company is paying attention to a lot that's happening here. I mean, I'm comically involved. I mean, I'm copied on every alert in our system. You and I were talking about something that we're working on together before this. And when I went and looked right before we hit record, and I see that our team has like notes about different digital forms and things like that. So it's really funny. One of the things I think I struggle with in veterinary medicine, and I struggle with this on the podcast, as I was saying to you guys before we started recording, is I've had episodes. And by the way, the people that were on these episodes, I typically, at the end of the episode, will say, that was good. You know, I felt like we could have, we missed out on this. I say that. And I don't, they might say, screw you, dude. I was on your podcast. But I told you guys before, and I've talked to these, we've had episodes that I felt were very cheesy, fluffy, kind of bullshit, kind of like, you know, squeezing your teddy bear. And that's not really what I want here. Do you guys, when you're, either coming up with episodes or thinking of topics or even mid-recording, do you ever sit there and think to yourself like in the middle of a podcast episode, like, oh, this sucks. This isn't going great. (laughs) That's a weird question. I haven't had one of those yet. Nice. Maybe I'm not self-aware enough. I haven't thought that yet. I don't know about you, Mike. (laughs) Yeah, I'm ripping through the podcast here in my head quick. I don't think we've had any... Any groaners where we're, you know, facepalm and like, oh man, that really, that really fell flat. There definitely have been times, and I think it's more a time constraint because we we have different topics we're trying to hit on in each episode. But there have been times when I thought, you know, we're on a path that's really interesting. We can go a bit deeper here. 
And then we kind of jump off of that path and go somewhere else. And I, and I wish we went a little bit deeper. I really do think, you know, some of the conversations in veterinary medicine need less filter and more depth and less worrying about maybe what's the politically correct thing to say, but that's just me. No, I think that's right. And then add a little bit further, there's ebbs and flows in the podcast in within the conversation itself. You'll get onto a really high level and you can stay there for 10 minutes and then you come down a little bit and it's kind of like music. You have to go through your different cadences and podcast provides for that, which I think is pretty cool. And you know what's funny too? It's like I have I don't know, probably 20 podcasts that I listen to. A lot of them are either marketing or startup or business. And, you know, I also have my sports podcast. I've been listening to Colin Coward since I was like eight. And I have my couple of like entertainment movies, Marvel stuff that I listen to. But I, I always think what gets you to subscribe to a podcast and be excited about the next episode? And how do you guys think about the topics you want to do? So when it pops up, on Spotify, on Anchor, whatever it is, the reality of veterinary medicine in 2021 or inventory management. Like, do you guys think about that? Like, okay, this is going to be the title. This is what's going to pop up. This is what someone's going to look at their phone and be like, oh shit, I need to listen to that episode like today. Do you guys put a lot of thought into that? I'm laughing. I know you can't see me right now, but I know I don't. (laughs) (laughs) We we really should because I know we, we could do a better job on getting our messaging out there, but mostly we're just trying to find interesting people. Then we do a pre-recording conversation, hear about their story, and the themes are based on them. You know, what is their life experience? What value and impact can they bring to our listeners? And then we build the show around them. Yep. And we strategize like 2021, we came into December of last year and said, okay, what do we want 2021 to look like? And we knew we had to up our game. So we've actually brought on a social media team. We've brought on another group to help us out with, I guess, our outreach in terms of what it looks like for website design. Look at, we're talking to the Whisker Cloud guy now. Yeah. All of those pieces, which then can hopefully deliver our message out to a broader group. So I'd say we strategize that way, but not as much into the details of the word by word of going into a reel. And there's where we'd probably look to you, Adam, and go, have you got down to that level of detail yourself with your podcast so far? So we do. And you know, it's funny. It's like, we'll go through like six to 10 titles for every episode. So what we do is when we're recording this, I'm taking notes the entire time. I've been taking notes the whole time we're talking. And I, I'll put in the timestamp and put like three words of something that was said to be like, this could be a good intro. This could be a good title. When we kind of go through that, and we go through that for a couple of reasons. One is for SEO purposes. Two is for what's going to pop up on people's phones. And three, what is important? And like our last episode, well, no, I can't say the last episode because I got in trouble for that because I can't say time-related things because we don't know when this episode's going live. But previous episodes have had topics that were like time to rethink your veterinary clinics communications financial lessons for veterinary clinic owners obviously that's something that people are probably going to search so i could just say learn about finance with phil zeltzman or i could say financial lessons for veterinary clinic owners because someone's probably more likely to search for that and then find our podcast and do it that way so you know like adam chrisman and i did uh, bringing Disney magic to veterinary medicine. And I mean that because there's a book that everyone in vet meds obsessed with. It was like, if you could turn your hospital into, you know, the Disney experience, well, guess what? Now we come up when people are searching for that and that's our most listened to 
episode. And that's why we do it that way. So we put in a lot of that stuff. But I also, when I asked you guys to come on, I thought I wasn't like, okay, cool. Let's talk about compassion fatigue because that's every episode. But it's like, let's talk about technology. These are two smart guys. They're investors. They're business owners. They're offering a different side of veterinary medicine than let's talk about what happens when they're, you know, the reception team is getting too many phone calls. And I also thought just from both of us having podcasts, we could have this conversation of why are we doing this to the people listening right now, all 10 million of them probably by the time this goes live, at at least, at least every veterinary professional ever listening to this. It's like, why are you listening? And we say that to the people that we manage their social media for. We say that to them. They're like, can you post this? And we're like, it doesn't really make sense. Well, we want it posted. It's like, think about in your life, your own Instagram page, your own Facebook page. What gets you to hit follow or like on those pages? What is it? Now ask yourself, is this something that would get that done for you? Because if not, no one's going to care of a shit. And it's the same thing with the podcast, right? Like if you guys do an episode, I couldn't even think of anything because I assume people want to listen to everything. But I don't know. It's like if you guys did a full episode on like how to weigh dogs when they come into the clinic, people would be like, yeah, I don't need to listen to that episode. I know how to put a dog on a scale. So it's interesting to think about. But I like that you said you don't put effort into it because you guys have a really successful podcast and you're like, yeah, we don't give a shit about the title right now, which is great. (laughs) It's because we all have like 10 other things to do at the same time. And we need a marketing team like Whisker Cloud. You know, and me and Jonathan, we hit some friction on this. We both have so many other things on the go. The podcast is the passion project. Like we've talked about, it's not putting food on the table for either of our families. So we just had to get really real about how many hours can we commit to this and whatever we can do in those hours, that's what we're doing. And then beyond that, it doesn't matter because there's vet clinics to run and real estate to buy. So we got to focus some time there. Well, and so you guys are a couple of vets and you're talking about this. We're real estate investors. I'm the chief operating officer of this company. I'm starting another hospital. Like that's cool shit. That's what, and by the way, like that's what I strive to be. I own Whisker Cloud. I've done own a consulting business in the past. I have this podcast. I'm potentially starting another one because I used to be part of the founder group, which started in San Francisco where I would mentor young entrepreneurs. And I thought, well, I'm a likable guy. I could be, you know, having like interesting people who are starting companies on because People want to hear from an entrepreneur. There's books out there, right? That say how to get your SaaS business. Software is a subscription. That's what Whisker Cloud is. We're a subscription-based business. How to get your SaaS business to $50,000 while being bootstrapped. How to get to $100,000. Well, I got mine to millions with no loans, no investors, no debt. How would I do it? Well, guess what? It really fucking sucked to do it, but I did it. And I think a lot of people, you know, that book is one of the best sellers of all time, How to Get Your Business to Your First 100K. Well, I don't need to write a book. I got it to millions and I didn't get any help from any investors either. Let's come on the podcast and I'll have smart people on and we'll talk about it. So that's what I do. That's what you guys do. So for the vet professionals out there, whether they're a practice owner, practice manager, whether they work in the marketing department at consolidator. How do you go from I'm a veterinarian to being moguls? You guys are moguls. You do a lot of stuff. That is a mogul. You guys, congratulations. You're moguls. How do people get to where you you guys are? 
<laughs> Self-prophesized moguls. <laughs> <laughs> we need to listen to this in 20 years from now. <laughs> I don't know. I'll be very brief in mind. I, I still consider myself at the start of the journey, and this is my fourth career within the last 11 years in veterinary medicine, and I love that. So I think it's both a conscious choice of knowing where you want to go and then from my standpoint, doing the hard work, meeting the people you need to, and creating value for those that are around you, and good things happen. And I think you said something really well there, Adam, is that you created and got your business over to a million, and it sucked, and it was really hard. That's what I think a lot of people um, sometimes don't recognize because they see the end product, and they don't recognize all those different steps that went in to get there. So Mike and I are on different journeys together in our respective businesses that are really hard work. And every day there's ups and downs. And again, the, the people that you surround yourself with, the value that you bring, the fun, and you better damn well love what you do. Yeah. And I'll try to add some stuff to that. There's a million tangents I feel like we can sure take. Oh, is there ever? I kind of think for me, it was like, get a little bit pissed off. You know, like I was kind of looking at where I was. And I mean, by all accounts, we're quote unquote successful. You know, you're working as a veterinarian, but there's so much more that's available and you just have to be hungry for it and get some urgency to go after it. This is a little bit cheesy, but it is believing in yourself that you can do it, but then getting that spark and whatever it is that motivates you. Like if it has to come from the negative space where you're like, you know what, I'm sick and tired of my bank account being empty at the end of every month and needing this paycheck to come in so that I can afford my groceries or go on a little bit of a vacation, that's fine if that's where the motivation or inspiration comes from, but then put it into action. Like we've talked a lot about having guests on and information and stories. And I think that's part of the magic is hearing from other people, someone hearing that Adam has grown a company to over a million dollars now there's a bit more belief that they can do it too because they know someone, even if they don't know Adam's phone number directly, but they know of a person that knows them. It's just a little bit more real, you know, and they can get after that. I love that you said too, you got to get angry because you guys know this about me. I have $10,000 worth of Hulk memorabilia in my home <laughs> office. That's not a joke, everyone. To my wife who's listening to this, I'm sorry. It is what it is. I just picture Adam in that scene where, the, where Bruce is like, that's my secret. I'm always angry. You have no idea. That's I literally live by that. I mean, I'm not kidding. You know, and I've talked about my love of the Hulk on the podcast before. I have a lot in common with Bruce Banner, not only because he was a genius, but he had a very abusive father. I had an extremely abusive father. And, you know, I, I had this like always this in high school when I played high school sports and I ran track and I played football and like, you know, if I dropped a pass, if I dropped interception, if I didn't have a good run, I'd get very pissed and I'd come back and kill it. And you know, it's the same thing. I, I owned another business before this. I had jobs before this. I ran marketing departments and, and it wouldn't go well. I'm not kidding you. Literally right now I have our company slack up. And before this call, I was talking to our team and they had someone being rude to them. And I just said, listen, get on the phone with them and just ask them if their only goal with Whisperclaw is to make every single interaction difficult or if they really want to have something amazing. And literally, the head of our accounts team, Alana, just put in Slack, this is Adam today. It's a gif of the Hulk. So everyone knows that, that I love the Hulk. But you're right, man. Like You have to just get really pissed and look at your life and say, this sucks. 
I'm done, right? And that's how you guys become moguls like you two. That simple. Just get pissed, be smart, take the steps. I think learn as well. Like I've watched Mike as he's progressed in his real estate career and the amount that's between his head in terms of knowledge on that side. And when I listen to him talk, the amount of knowledge he has compared to three years ago, five years ago, eight years ago when he was getting started, that doesn't happen overnight. So the second part of that is patience, knowing it doesn't happen overnight and being all right with that and having that expectation. Guess what? I'm still going to succeed anyway. I think it's pretty cool. We've touched a little bit even on social media, and I think there's a gap here. And we've talked about this on our podcast, the instant gratification. And a lot of people, you know, it seems like they want it now. And they forget about the fact that there's a 10-year period of time between when this person got started working their ass off to when the results really showed up in a big way. And they just forget about that because on Instagram, it happens in a 30-second reel from start to finish. It's interesting, too. It's like, you know, you think about... I remember being in school, young, on the day that Amazon had their IPO. I looked it up. It was May 15th, 1997. And I remember having a teacher who invested, like, her life savings in, and hearing years later that she killed it. I, I hope she held on to it, because as I'm seeing today, that would have been 120,000% growth. But people don't realize, they look at Jeff Bezos, they look at Amazon, they're like, this is the biggest thing of all time. Well, 24 years ago, it was just a guy in a shitty little office and he'd spray painted Amazon on the wall and that was it and he sold like six books. So yeah, I think you guys probably struggle with that as much as I struggle with it. I'm pissed. I do want things now. And like, we're building a couple new products at Whisker Cloud and we're working on a couple internal things and like, I want it yesterday. And it drives me crazy every day. We're supposed to launch... In fact, we're building out a lot of automations. I'm obsessed with automation, both personally and professionally. I think everything in life should be automated. Every day, I think 11 p.m. at my house, we have a smart house. Doors lock, alarm set, lights turn on or off. Like Every day, it's all set for me. I want to take that to the next level, but we want to do the same at Whisker Cloud. And I don't mind telling everyone out there because you're going to start seeing this within the next couple of... Probably the next week is we're working right now on sending out emails full of information about our services to people who hit certain pages on our website. This is very hard to do and it's very hard to build out because you have to build out hundreds of emails for any scenario. This person is a customer and they looked at this page. This person is not a customer and they looked at this page. This person is a customer who has these products from us but not these products and they looked at that page. What should happen? So we have to build out everything and we've been building it for weeks and weeks. I was supposed to launch it today. I'm not going to say the date even though people can probably figure that out with all of my screw-ups. And guess what? It's not going to launch today. It's like 95% ready. It'll probably be next week. And by next week, we might say, well, let's tweak this and that. It's hard. It takes so much time and effort, so much tweaking. It sucks. And for me, as you know, I'm always angry. I feel very frustrated even talking to you guys about it right now. So I wear the Apple Watch just to like track my heart rate. I'm literally sitting here calmly drinking tea, talking to you guys, really enjoying myself, telling the story. My heart rate is 112 right now. I'm literally calmly sitting. I even have a foot massager under my desk. My feet are being massaged and I'm really enjoying both of your company and my heart rate is 112. So how do you got, you know, you're building a new hospital, you're running businesses, you're doing investments. For those listening, you know, how do you deal with it when things, when there's bumps in the road, when there's extra tweaking? Are you guys OCD like I am, where every detail matters? Can you guys kind of talk about, you know, all the little details and all of the things you're doing? 
Well, that's a good question. We can go for hours on that one. I'm not OCD like you, and I think that keeps my sanity at times. So I try not to stress about things that I don't have control over. But then those things that I do have control over, I do try and push as hard as I can. I live by my calendar right now, and my calendar is extremely full and just tends to fill up day by day. Is that a great thing for life? No. But as Mike and I have talked about lots, I'm in that section of life called the grind, and I'm totally okay with that. Jim Rohn talks about the four seasons of life. Spring, plant those seeds, make sure there's lots of water in them, make sure they're growing. That's my season right now. My wife and I, were exactly on the same page of that, that when it comes to day-to-day, we're going to wake up every day, ensure we've got everything that we need, look after our kids, make sure we do our physical activity, get those guys to school or wherever the heck they are in COVID times, and then do the grind. Do what you need to do. At the end of the day, we're going to spend some time together, make sure we have some laughs, enjoy each other's company, make sure we eat well, get my ass to bed so I can get at least seven, seven and a half hours of sleep to do it exactly the same thing the next day. And if it's 12 hours of work, if it's 16 hours of work, if it's 18 hours of work, doesn't matter because that's what's needed right now in the grind. Mike and I, way we work from the veterinary project standpoint and Mike's intentional standpoint, I love bouncing these ideas off with Mike because him and I have different perspectives on this. And I look up to Mike and his intentionality. I don't have it to the same degree. And so there's pros and cons that come with that. I know at some point I need to take a break, but that point's not yet. And you just keep on grinding forward, get things done. I'll chime in. I mean, this is a tough question, Adam. I completely underestimated the roller coaster of being an entrepreneur, how high the highs are and how low the lows are are like nothing I've ever experienced. And Rosalie and I laugh about this all the time. We'll even ask ourselves, where are you at on the roller coaster? Because she runs her own business too. You know, sometimes one of us is down and the other one's up. And the ebbs and flows of just dealing with so many things, sometimes a bunch of shit hits the fan at the same time. Sometimes a bunch of stuff lines up at the same time. So for me, what brings me back and how I deal with it is I revisit like big picture, right? Like I have a very clear picture of where I'm going. And when I have a bad day and things are really falling apart, I try to just step back from that, kind of revisit what we're creating for our family. That at least helps me be like, okay, this is worth it. It's worth dealing with this right now. Just take a little bit of a breath, go back, solve the problem and focus on the big picture. I don't think I'm as detail oriented as you You know, I try to keep my eyes on the bigger projects, but I mean, it's a totally different industry that I'm in, right? Like a website is, is much more attention to detail. Well, but you know what I think for me, and I love what both of you just said, because I think about my wife a lot. She's got a great job. She works about eight and a half hours a day. Sometimes she'll work at night and she'll work some weekends here or there, but she's got a great job. And you know, she likes to come home, put on comfy clothes, watch TV, make dinner, relax, and for me, I'm like, my idea of relaxing is like, okay, it's five o'clock, you're home. I want to take the dogs for a walk down, down at the beach. I want to breathe some fresh air in. I want to get back and start working on stuff. And and I do. I obsess over things. I dream about things at Whisker Cloud. I stress about it. And I think my 
OCD perfectionism is a big cause of my anger because it's so many little things. And I, my brain is always on like every little detail of everything. Even while we're recording this podcast, I hate to say it, but being honest, like my mind is building the automations that I was just talking about in my head. Like my mind is working on the one issue we couldn't figure out while I'm sitting here talking. And I feel it running in the background and I feel frustration from that. Isn't that weird? And it's weird that I'm like saying all this. I just feel so comfortable with you both. Um, <laughs> Does it get to be too much for you though sometimes? Like if that's just running 24 seven? You know, it's, uh, oh, look at you podcast host flipping this shit around. But yeah. I, couldn't help it. I, was, I was wondering, even in my head, I was thinking consciously, do I ask him a question? Am I allowed to ask him a question? Screw it. I'm asking him a question. <laughs> well, I think it all started when I was nine and my dad pushed me off the bike and broke my arm. I hate to me say that's too? a true story. Yeah, me too. Yeah, it's a true story. But no, I mean, it's a lot. And like I said, I, I think about my wife a lot because we're taking our first trip since February of 2020 before COVID where we were in Vegas for WVC and we're in Newport beach. We're an hour North of San Diego. We're taking our dogs. We're staying at a nice hotel in San Diego. We're going to spend the weekend there, see some friends. We're eating the best pizza on earth down there. Oh, and here I am again, time stamping these damn things. But anyway, you know, we're going to go do that and enjoy this weekend. And guess what? I had two of my employees say to me, if you log on to Slack tomorrow, one of them said she's going to beat the shit out of me. And I actually think she could. So I'm not going to mess with her. But it's like, yeah, this is hard. And, you know, like you're when you're building a hospital or when you're, you know, investing in real estate, don't you just want this, you know, sometimes don't you just want it to be like done? And don't you want to just, I mean, do you guys ever have a day, seriously, like a day or a weekend where you're 1000% have not touched or thought about anything business related? <laughs> I, for me, no, I can't think of a day. <laughs> so last Saturday, I got my COVID vaccine. Oh, I'm time stamping now. Okay, and let's just get this out there. We're recording this on May 6th for everyone. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and I just got back from some travel and work and such. And it was literally that kind of day where I was going, I cannot think about work. I cannot think about work. That didn't happen. That really didn't happen. I was down at the new clinic. I was dealing with the landlord. It, it just realities of life, again, gets in your mind and you got to go. You got to make things happen. Well, the truth is that's what it takes. You know, if you want to do something significant, it's not going to happen putting in four hours a day every second week. Like it's just not, right? So that's what it takes to really move the marble on stuff. So what I try to do is I'm really project-based, right? Like I'll take on a project where I know I'm going to be up to my eyeballs for months. But then when that project wraps up, I'll take a little breather, get ready, and then go again. So that's how I work is I try to do it in project bursts, but it takes that high-intensity focus to get stuff done. I'll tell you guys what I say to my wife a lot. This might come off weird. So... But I'm just going to say it. So I live in Newport Beach. It's a really, really expensive area. And that's not me saying like, hey, I'm rich. You should see my house. We got a nice house in a good spot. We're half a mile from the ocean. I don't live in a multi-million dollar house for those listening. It's a cool house. We gave up some size and some other things to make sure we could get our dogs to the beach in 30 seconds. We could go on our little Duffy boat. And that's what we've made the decision we want to do with our life. And that's where we ended up. That's great. But we walk around houses some of these houses are a lot of celebrities that live over this way. 
Dennis Rodman lives close. We see him often. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Kobe Bryant's house where his wife and kids live, you know, is nearby. I mean, there's a lot of things in Newport Beach. A lot of people who are tired of the LA grind come down here and it's, you can have a dock on your house if you want to live on the water. But those are the things I say to my wife. We'll be walking the dogs late at night down on the peninsula where there's these $25, $30 million houses. And she'll say, man, you just seem so stressed. Like, you know, I hate to see you this way. I'm like, well, you know what? Here's the problem, right? And this always sounds horrible for everyone out there listening. I don't mean this horrible, but like if you're stocking shelves somewhere or if you're working retail or something, that's cool. You go in, you clock in, you do your job, you clock out, you go home. Like you don't have the stress. You're not sitting there up all night. Obviously, financially, we're different. We have a different life. If I want to go to San Diego for a nice weekend and I want to stay at a nice hotel, I'm staying at the nice hotel. If we go to a restaurant and we haven't been in a year and a half, because of COVID and we haven't spent money on going to eat or going to do anything. And, you know, we go to a restaurant on this trip this weekend and I say, you know what? I'm getting the crab legs that are $68. I'm going to do it. I'm not going to sweat it. That's the thing. And that's, trust me, I'm not sitting here a super rich human for those listening. I'm still putting in my sweat equity into growing Whisker Cloud. But... That's the difference. We want to live half a mile from the ocean. We want to be surrounded by $25, $30 million houses. We want to be surrounded by athletes and stars. And we want to have this relaxing life. It takes a certain level of grind that just to be honest, 99% of people, probably 99.9% of people are not able to do this. Do you guys agree with that? Is it 99.9 just can't get to that level? And that's not a bad thing because I'll probably die young from a heart attack, but... I mean, do you guys agree with that? Am I crazy? The only sort of semantics I would change is they choose not to do it. I would say- Yeah, that's true. Yeah, most people could do it if they want. And it's fine if they don't want. It's all a choice. I've got nothing more to add. I think you're exactly right. And Mike's exactly right. And I think the only thing that I would add is we also have the stress of leading and also from a business standpoint, being responsible for people's livelihoods. What we do matters to people that we actually don't even have the opportunity to meet in some cases from a family perspective. And that means a lot. And there's a lot of reliance and there's a lot of confidence and there's a lot of trust that people are putting in us to deliver for their own livelihoods. Yeah. I don't think a lot of people, if you're not running a business and you're not doing payroll and you're not thinking about those things, I think that's, I deal with the stress of that all the time. And I worry about my employees and I worry about every little thing we do. And for my life, I want them to have a good life too. And I, and I want to push them to be great. So yeah, there's a lot that goes into being a successful person. You know, I talked about potentially starting another podcast because Sometimes I think about, I want to start another podcast where I have entrepreneurs on from different sectors and we just talk about this. And then I can say, guess what? I own a software company. We work with vets. Let me tell you what that was like or what you're asking me. Let me tell you about what that was like working with the vets at this company. And then you can tell me what it was working for your company, what you do. So I thought, I always thought that would be interesting, but I think veterinary medicine, it's just so interesting. Do you guys feel like there's resources. If someone said to themselves, okay, I I just graduated. I'm going to go be an associate DVM at a hospital. Can they prepare to get to where you guys are at? Can they prepare to be involved in other things, be entrepreneurs, own businesses, be successful? Like, Where do they make the jump? I think so. Again, I'll jump on this quick. I think there are so many opportunities in veterinary medicine. I didn't come out of school with a business degree background, but... You take hold of opportunities when they arise. You do your work. You learn. 
there's organizations like the Veterinary Business Management Association. There's corporations like I'll totally tell Mosaic Veterinary Partners. We want to have the opportunity for our veterinarians to be able to learn about business, to be able to take equity ownership in the clinics where they're at. There are other corporations that want to ensure that those veterinarians that are working within the practice, veterinary team members know what goes into running a veterinary practice. Again, you got to want to learn. You have to put in the effort, but it's there and it's evolving. Mike and I have joked, you know, about the improvement in business education for veterinarians as we're both vets in terms of compared to when we graduated. And that's not that long ago. If you're talking 2008, 2009, could we do better as an industry? Yes. Do we need to take business more seriously in the veterinary industry? Yes, but it's there. I think we just want to help improve that. Why don't you guys just start like a masterclass where you're like selling like your course, like this is how we did it. This is what you should do. I feel like you guys could kill it doing that. That's an interesting topic, Adam. Jonathan and I have talked about do we have a course someday or do we sell that kind of programs like that? I mean, so far, we're both kind of so busy doing what we're doing. We just kind of want to give it away for free, give as much knowledge as we can. The catch is, again, we're kind of beating on this, but it's, people have to take action on it. It's not the knowledge and the information that's lacking. There's so much out there. Like you can find it everywhere on podcasts, on YouTube. It's the follow-up action on it. Well, and I always bring up LeBron James, but I'm going to not. You guys are from Canada. So let's talk about Wayne Gretzky. So, (laughs) but like, this is the question when I, and I, and I'm a big sports fan and I have these debates about LeBron James, Michael Jordan, Tom Brady. Is Tom Brady physically better than most quarterbacks? Was Wayne Gretzky physically better? Was he born with something or was he born with a lot of talent? And did he just work a lot harder? And this is what I have these debates with people a lot of the time. Like, am I smarter than everyone on earth? Probably, but I'm just kidding. My wife's going to like hit me when she hears that, but like, okay, I'm a smart guy. I work really hard, but I'm like, I will work myself to death to become the expert in anything. Like, is that just what it takes? It's like, you know, and again, it's like Wayne Gretzky. Is Wayne Gretzky physically better than any other hockey player ever? Is LeBron James, LeBron James physically is pretty nuts. But again, there's a million people in the world that are six foot 10, seven foot three, who are never going to be Shaq or LeBron James. There's a million hockey players and Olympic skaters who are never going to be Gretzky. So I always think about that, like for success, what is that right mixture? Is it the, okay, you were born with this, but you also have to, is it the environment you're in? Do you have to, you know, I always tell people, I think when I meet people, there's something that sparks them. And I've talked about, I've had like three or four big sparks in my life where, you know, you get sparked by something and you just go berserk. And I remember like a month or two into Whisker Cloud, I was doing so well. And another web company that's been around a long time that's got a really bad reputation, stop me if everyone knows who I'm talking about, was emailing my 25 customers, my piddly 25 customers that were nothing to them and saying horrible things that weren't true. And I got so pissed. I used to have a column on Huffington Post and I called about in Huffington Post and it went viral in VetMed. And all of a sudden, I got like a million clients from them who came and were like, we read what you were saying. We hate working with them. We want to work with you. And I thought, wow, that was funny. And it was just because I got pissed. So for you guys, was there like those spark moments that did it? Was it something you were born with? I know this is the most long-winded question in the history of podcasts where I've talked about hockey and Tom Brady and LeBron and... Anyway, I'll shut up. 
you guys know what I'm asking here. Uh, yeah, I, I think I got it. I got a few things to say on that. You know, on the sports analogy, absolutely not. Like Tom Brady, Wayne Gretzky, as physical specimens, they were not, you know, the most gifted. It's so hard to even put your finger on what it is because it's intangible. If I had to take a shot at one word, it's that they're relentless. They just don't stop. Like, look at Tom Brady. What was the Atlanta game? Like 28-3 going into the fourth quarter yeah. of the Super Bowl. And you look over on the sidelines and they show a camera shot of Tom Brady. And he's still walking around telling everyone they're going to win. There's no doubt in his mind that they're going to win. And they're down 28-3 with 15 minutes left in the game. You can't beat someone like that. You can't because they don't stop. If you go talking another podcast, Tim Ferriss's podcast, I don't I know love a lot it. about basketball, and he interviewed LeBron James. The amount of respect I gained for that gentleman after that podcast, immeasurable. And again, I don't know a lot about him, but something that he mentioned and something they talked about, and he had his personal coach or personal business coach on on that podcast as well, is the amount of sacrifice what he does in order to stay at the top of his game, both business as well as from a sports perspective. That's something that we've not mentioned at all. What they're willing to sacrifice and go through to get to the top, to be the expert, to be the best of the best, unbelievable. But, you know, I'm going to talk about him like I know him because I did mention him in my wedding vows. That's how much I love LeBron James. But he spends over a million dollars a year on his body. And, you know, like he eats, you know, it's like I, you guys joke, you know, when we were on camera before we started recording that I have the Peloton behind me and like, yeah, we got the Peloton during COVID and we ride it a lot and we try to eat good. And then last night we're watching TV. I had eaten good. I had worked out like everything's fine. And we had these like marshmallow chocolate peanut butter cups from Easter in the freezer. And of course I opened the freezer just like, oh, what the hell do we have in here? And I saw them and I'm like, I'm eating them. But like, if you're LeBron James, he just doesn't eat them. Like, how does he do that? Well, it's a sacrifice he makes. Yep, that's exactly it. And that's, yeah, helping propel it. And he does it day after day after day, right? Like, it's successful people. They don't do one thing one time. And then it's like, there, you're a success. And now you just ride that wave forever. It's every single day that LeBron has to show up and be successful again. Like, starting from zero, he has to eat healthy, right? And he has to keep building on that every day. To wrap up this show, because we've given a lot of information out. So people listening, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give mine after you guys go. What is the one piece of advice you'd give someone who, again, who is in the vet world and just wants to take their life, their portfolio, whatever it is to the next level? What's that just like one thing you would tell them to do? I mean, this is a hard one. Where I'm going to take this building off our conversation is get after it. I, for me personally, and I think this resonates with a lot of veterinarians, we're scared of failing and we're worried what people are going to think. Criticism never comes from people that are doing more than you, right? And again, it's not a competition about putting your stuff beside someone else's. You have to do what you want to do. So my one piece of advice for any veterinarian listening is you get one crack at this. So go after whatever it is that speaks to you and quit worrying about what everyone else is going to say. So good, Mike. So good. I think my one piece, and again, Mike's is is right on the ball, uh, would be reach out to those that you respect and or you see that are doing it. There is a lot of people that want to help you succeed and can help 
you formulate the plan and then you go do it. And there's some amazing people in veterinary medicine and everyone I'm always astounded at the level I get to play it now. And it's all because I've taken that chance. And like Mike said, not being afraid of failure or not been afraid of them just turning me down. Go ask the question. That's both great. And I mean, you guys are right on the money. It's, you know, if you want it, you'll have it. The thing I tell my employees, and I really mean this, you know, and it's like when I'm promoting people, when I'm giving people more and more at Whisker Cloud, it's you have to become the expert and you have to put in the time to become the expert. And that's what I do. I don't handle social media for our customers, but I still follow every trend to make sure that I can make sure that our team knows what they should be doing. I don't do all the SEO, but I still watch every webinar. I still pay for new courses. I still, you know, we're a Google and Facebook partner. Every time they send out new stuff for us, I jump on top of it. I am literally always trying to be, as I jokingly say at work, I'm the master of all things marketing and tech. And no one's ever going to surpass me ever because I will always stay ahead of them. And it takes a lot of money and time and effort. And I'll be sitting there on a Sunday morning reading about when to post to social media, according to a new study, I'll be talking about new things we should be doing in SEO, new things we should be doing in mobile responsive websites. And again, I have teams of people who do that stuff, but I want to be the expert so I can you know, make sure that as the head of Whisker Cloud, we have people that are experts here and I can train them and I can make sure we're on the right path. So I think between the three of us, it's all ask questions, find people that can help you and put in the time and effort. Great summary. So... Where can people find you guys online? How can they find the Veterinary Project podcast? How can they follow you? I want to make sure if you're out there listening, I know all 10 million of you love the Whisker Talks podcast, but sometimes instead of just listening to our episodes over and over and over again, you might need to add more podcasts to the tracks. Let's get some more in there. So where can they find you guys? For the Veterinary Project, you can reach us on Instagram, on YouTube, and it's at the Veterinary Project. All the typical podcast platforms. For me personally, I think my Instagram handle is michaelbug.dvm. On you know Instagram, Facebook, those are my most active platforms. I so appreciate you guys coming on. This was cool. It was cool to have professional podcasters on. I had Jessica Vogel saying once and when she was on, she was like one of our first episodes and she was like asking me these like thoughtful questions and like she speaks like a podcaster. I was like, damn, this was, that was great. So I appreciate you guys. I hope everyone goes and listens to their podcast too. It's awesome. I'm an avid listener and yeah, you're going to have people like the three of us and the teams we're building. We all give a shit about this profession and we want to push it forward. That's what we care about. Just like they said, There's no money being made on these podcasts. We just care enough to do them. So appreciate everyone that's listening, whether it's Whisker Talks or the Veterinary Project, you know, please like, share, subscribe, rate, show your friends, listen to it on every device you have, on every platform you have, five stars on every platform. That would be great. We'd all appreciate it. Thanks, Adam. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, guys. Thanks, everyone. See you next week. 